So go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to get ask your opinion on a break. How do we break bad habits? Like, how do we take our meditation practice um, and see kind of the things that we're doing in the world and um, let go of the patterns that um, are, you know, negatively impacting us, like either physically or even in our practice, like making us more dull. Okay. Um, the first off is that you can congratulate yourself again for two things. One is, is that you have been coming out of it so as that you can slide back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That, no, that is a victory. I mean. Well, it, coming out of it, so to slide back, the coming out is is a victory. Yeah. And coming out of it again is going to be easier because you've done it at least once. Mm-hmm. Okay. The second part is congratulations for recognizing that you've slidden back in the way that most of people's lives, they indulge in those things. They don't even know it, that it's mm-hmm. harmful. They don't understand it, and therefore they're not looking for it. So you're looking for it, you're seeing it. And so that's some, also something to congratulate yourself for. So let's take a victory lap. this is actually a really important concept that people fail to understand Um, mostly because no matter how good a job you could have done say at school or at some project you could have done better all right Let us go for science fair. A school will have a science fair. The county will have a science fair. The state will have a science fair. And then they'll have the national science fair. And they'll have yellow and blue and gold ribbons and and whatnot for those things. And so if you win the local contest, then you've got to compete at the county contest. And if you win at the county, you have to keep improving your product and getting it better and better to go to the state uh, science fair. I don't know if they do science fairs or not nowadays, but that's what we did when I was in high school, some sort of science fair. I actually did a computer. But anyway, back in the 1960s, that was a big deal. Actually, it was more of a robot. But in any case, once you get to the state science fair, even if you win that, now you've got to go to the national science fair. And we're talking about now one high school kid in the entire nation is going to win and everybody else feels bad and feels like a loser. Yeah, I mean, there's like eventually a point where you'll get you'll get there and then, I don't know, either one in a million and you win well, or, mm-hmm. you know, you lose. Mm-hmm. And that some of the kids should be congratulated for just getting a project into the science fair. Mm -hmm. And to be happy with that. You see, we don't teach our kids to be happy with the successes that we have. We keep pointing out what's the next thing to do. 
Yeah, it's like analyze what what went wrong. How, what, how could you have gotten to that next level? Mm -hmm. As opposed to just like, oh, like that's where we were. Like, or, like that's where we got to. Like, let's be happy with that. Now, if you think about it, not necessarily a, a prize fight, but let's say a scuffle or a fight at school. And that the kids are in that fight. It doesn't matter which kid wins. They're both relieved that it's over. <laughs> yeah, they're both glad that that's over. And yet there's also that thing, well, I've got to win, though. I've got to win. And so they'll keep coming back again. Tam actually mentioned last night that the dogs were really growling at each other over bought dog food. We don't buy dog food often. It's a treat for them. Oh, yeah. Most dogs that all, all the dogs get is that dog food, and it's not a treat at all. It's the same old boring thing over and over again. So we put the dog food out, and Tam was saying that they were growling at each other. And I looked over this morning, and there they are laying on the floor, side by side, cuddled up. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it that it's the humans that once we start into a conflict with someone, it's unlikely that conflict will ever get resolved. Hmm. That's a good point. We'll keep coming back to it. Right. Why? Is because it. in our culture, we have the situation that everything is not all right. Everything needs to be fixed. Mm -hmm. we, we, we've got a society to build. We've got elections to hold. We've got We've got politicians to get rid of and politicians to put in place. <laughs> and it goes on and on and on and on like that. So in your situation, that's exactly the same mentality that is perhaps it's okay to, to backslide if you're enjoying it. But the fact is, is that you didn't enjoy it. And so you could have been practicing Anapanasati while you were backsliding, whatever that means. Yeah, well, there is some amount of enjoyment there. So it's like the, okay, so I guess like one example would be like, meditate, feel real good, dance stuff about life, then um, I'll be like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have a burger now? Like I'll eat a burger, like stay up late watching TV, and then just not get sleep and just feel like pretty awful the next day. And so like, part of it's like, it's fun to eat the burger you and watch a, cartoons. You eat a burger at night and feel, um, uh, let us say, ill the next day? No, not ill the next day. It's more like the staying up late, you know, feeling like not rested. And it's like the eating like all the time. I don't know, like, uh, I guess I've had a lot of eating issues growing up okay. as a kid. It's so just like, you know, would, you pack on the pounds and stuff. So. Right. So we would put that then... You see, there's actually two ways of looking at it in the sense that we can store Sankara that is uh, unwholesome, full of ill will, wanting things, full of delusion, or we can store things in the Sankara that are spot on, that are wisdom, that uh, we can see danger in things, etc., like that. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, and the scientists have known this all along. Just as a side point, eating late at night is generally not good for people. Yeah. Um, 
many different things, uh, food digestion um, while you're sleeping uh, robs the body of the reparative work that it needs to be doing and all kinds of other things like this. So once we begin to figure this stuff out, or if I eat and stay up late, I'm really tired the next day. And so that's something to keep track of and remember so that the next hamburger comes by at 10 p.m. We can say, wait a minute. The last time I did this, it was really, really tiring the next day. And then you eat it anyway. And then you're tired the next day. And so now you've got a mounting information. And so that you can eventually decide that I'm not going to have that hamburger late at night because it will have its effects, that there are causes and effects in all kinds of things. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like, I guess the cycle that it's easy to see is going back to what you were saying a little bit earlier ago, where like you eat, I don't know, say my goal is to lose some weight. I eat a burger. Sorry for using the stupid contrived burger example, like, but like I eat the burger and then like, I'm like, oh, dang, I need to really buckle down the next day so that I can still lose that weight. And there's like kind of that punishment in there. Uh, I'm not okay with how things are. Like I'm, I'm saying no, like how things are right now are bad. So mm -hmm. there's that element of being like, okay, like this happened, like assessing the results of that action. Um, All right. And then just so that's thinking that. Before mounting evidence. So the yeah. next time then in the future, when that hamburger comes by at 10 PM, we can say, wait a minute, if I eat this thing, I'll feel guilty and miserable tomorrow. I'll think that I've got to double down on uh, having a diet. Perhaps it's okay to, to think that I'm already okay without eating that hamburger right now, that I don't actually have to indulge in it. Yeah. This is where wisdom comes in. This is the reason why we keep investigating and keep putting things together. Because it's possible for you to eat a uh, hamburger at 10 o'clock every night, get up the next morning miserable, thinking, that, oh, now I've got to screw up in my diet and all of that, and do that day after day after day and never make any changes. Yeah. Yeah, so we, so we can be aware of what's going on, like actually know that this is not good for us. We can understand mm -hmm. that like, yeah, my mental state's off. Like I'm, you know, I'm not, uh, if, I don't know if I take inventory during meditation and like, I, I don't know, maybe notice that it's a little bit harder to. Uh... Now here's the point in that regard. When we recognize that something is not good for us, what do we do with that? Generally, we become critical of ourselves, just like you were mentioning that the next day you became critical of yourself because mm -hmm. of what you had done the night before. And so this is part of the issue that, in fact, is you're being critical of yourself for the doing the diet anyway. Probably, yeah. Right. All right. So. The question is, can you enjoy being on a diet? Can you enjoy losing the weight? Or do you have to lose the weight through a critical mind? If you lose the weight through the critical mind, guess what? The critical mind will eventually 
win out in other things and you'll gain the weight back again. Yeah. That yeah, I mean, I think you're right. You could, you could lose it in a positive way because you're making incremental decisions to um, do things that make you happy or like recognizing no. the... You do, you, you start incrementally doing things more appropriately because you're already happy. Oh, because you're already happy. Okay. Because you're yeah. already happy. That when is a good point. Do things to become happy. That is the old Western cultural way of doing things. That's a really good point. Because a lot of times it's like, um, no, I can't, I can't do this activity because I don't feel like, because I don't feel good now. I want to feel good in the future, but that's, I'm going to run out of gas if I keep doing that. The times that it's been successful and easy and enjoyable is when I'm like, you know, I'm fine right now. Like a burger is not going to add anything to my life. I'm happy. Like I've got what I need. Right. I'm not hungry. Yeah, like I'm not hungry. Like I don't need this. Not, I see that hamburger. No, I don't, I don't want that hamburger. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like um, coming from a place of uh, satisfaction as opposed to like I'm dissatisfied with the way things are. Mm -hmm. Or a better way of looking at it. No, I am satisfied already. Everything's all right already. With mm -hmm. or without the hamburger, and since I see the danger in the hamburger, we can give that a miss. I don't, in other words, the cost benefit analysis of the hamburger. Basically, this is what we can do when we are in a victim's position, we'll do anything to get out of it. Yeah. But if we're in the winner's position, then we weigh every little thing that we do to figure out is this going to be the right thing to do or not. This is what they call cost-benefit analysis. Little tiny companies that are struggling don't do cost-benefit analysis. They do what they can do to survive. Big companies take the time to do cost-benefit analysis so they can figure out which is the right thing to do. Yeah, so we're... One thing that we can, we can get as a benefit from big business, everything else you can kind of chuck out because it's all based on greed. But the whole idea of a cost-benefit analysis, when you're already wealthy... When you're already wealthy, yeah. Already so if we, wealthy. So if we can, yeah, so if we're coming from a place of wealth, like, uh, then we can choose the actions we're taking. We don't necessarily have to, I don't know, if I'm coming from a position like, ooh, I'm super hungry, like, but I don't, I shouldn't eat that burger. That's going to be bad. Or that's right. When you're super hungry, then that's hard to do. When you're in a state of deprivation, it's hard to resist it. But when you're good to go, when you're feeling good, when you're wealthy, when you're happy, when you're satisfied, now you can make a cost-benefit analysis own that hamburger and come up saying, hey, I'm better off without that. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, so I guess like a stronger version of that would be if we're coming from a place of satisfaction, then we can choose uh, the actions, like the wise action to take, like the correct action. Um, yeah, so hmm. and, I mean, I guess that comes back just to uh, the meditation practice we've been talking about. It's like, how do we get back to that state of feeling like we're right. satisfied?
over and over again. Now, we also probably have remembered stating that being in a state of nurturing, being in a state of everything is okay, our needs are met, was how we were born into the world. Yeah. That was our first nurturing. That was the first nurture. And that it was about the age of five or six that we start piling on critical mind so that we no longer mm-hmm. are in a state of nurturing. So that critical mindedness, and most of it has to do with going to school. Everything about school is critical. If you mm-hmm. don't believe me, ask any ninth grader or 10th grader about their high school. And they will oh, yeah, I believe a you. long <laughs> list of criticism. Yeah, this memory, yeah, high school and uh, college are still fresh <laughs> in my mind. Mm-hmm. And you and you remember a lot of the criticisms that you had at that time for it. Yeah, I mean, it's just a criticism factory. <laughs> it's like, that's what it is, homework and uh, tests, exams, we, all that. We turn, our, we turn our kids into criticism factories. Yeah. Okay. Guess what? We're not only, when we're in high school, critical of the high school. We are also critical of all of the other guys, and we're also critical of ourselves. Critical yeah, of everything. exactly. I mean, and even so now, we like desperately yeah. want out of high school, not recognizing that the major problem with high school is that we don't like it, mm-hmm. and that we take that critical mindset, that not liking, along with us when we leave high school. But getting out of high school does not magically fix things because the high school is not the cause of it being broken. Let us say that high school, no. First grade, yes. Mm -hmm. First grade was a major contributing cause to unhappiness in the world. Hmm. Why? Because you had to learn to perform for the first time. It is really hard for a child to read. Reading is a difficult thing to pick up when you don't mm-hmm. want to do it. Yeah, it's pretty boring. Well, I mean, yeah, I imagine learning learning how to read as a kid's like pretty challenging. Right. So what we need to do is to teach our kids to really like to read and then it's a whole lot easier for them to do. But it's like easier to probably poke them with a stick and get them to read or like be critical be like, "Oh, like you got to You know why we're so critical about. of our kids? I mean, probably because it's like how we were taught. Because they were critical with us, and that's the only role model that we ever got. All the way back, generation by generation by generation of criticism. Sure, and it is easier, and it's seen like it's pretty humane. Like, criticism would be compared to like spanking or something like that is more acceptable. a spanking is the natural outcome of uh, being critical. Oh, true. Yeah, that would be. Never mind. You're right. That would be like a the culmination of being critical. Mm-hmm. Right. And we don't teach our kids that it's okay to get a spanking. No problem. Spankings are easy enough to endure. I can take that. We don't teach our kids that. We teach them that, oh, the spanking is the worst possible thing that can happen to you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You see the psychology that's always built into this. 
Mm -hmm. So you pick that stuff up as a child, you reinforce criticism and the critical thinking all of these years, unwholesome thinking. And to now you're beginning to practice the, the Buddhist method of let us stop these unwholesome critical thoughts and start thinking happy, positive thoughts instead. Mm-hmm. And that point when we need that happy, positive thought is I'm good to go and I don't have to go out for a hamburger. Yeah. I don't, ha- I don't need a hamburger. I don't have to go through the fixing and the preparation of the hamburger. And that is either going to have that by you standing in front of a stove or go through the expense of having it delivered or go out to get it, one of, one of the others. Um, but there's a cost always just getting the hamburger. And all it came was from a mind thought, I need a hamburger. I am insufficient without a hamburger. Yeah, like why am I latching onto that? And mm-hmm. letting that, as opposed to, to like, oh, well, I, I could just go to hamburgers. sleep. I'm okay right now. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Like, um, yeah, so as we're approaching, like, that decision to order the hamburger, there's going to be, like, parts of me that will say, you don't need that. Um, like, ah, it's not but healthy. you don't it's need that is a critical thought. Yeah, that's sorry. That's what I was getting at. So, like, that, that's that'd be, a critical you know, thought. my a better thought would thought. be... I'm good. I'm okay. I'm all right the way that I am. Yeah. So I could notice like, oh, like I noticed these thoughts, like there's, I have negative thoughts. There's judgment here. Like there's self-criticism. These are like unwholesome. So I can let go of those. I can forget about that. I could think about like, oh, like, you know, I'm not hungry. Like I don't need this burger or like, oh, I could. I'm I'm good. I'm I'm where I'm at right now. Like just kind of see it for what it is. It's just kind of a random thought that I'm having based on, uh, I don't know my history of ordering burgers late at night or like whatever it is. All right. So there's a key ingredient that, that's missing that we need to talk about. In other words, you cannot, because the habit patterns of the mind have been so reinforced to be critical. And so when you're struggling with whether or not you're going to get that burger tonight and struggling with what's going to happen tomorrow and struggling with tomorrow when it does happen, That struggle is trained into us to struggle. Mm -hmm. That's an interesting point, right? So, because it is um, so ingrained, that struggle, it's actually easy to get out of it once we practice a bit, but it's missing that key ingredient. What is that? You have to remember to come out of the critical mind into the wholesome mind. Sati. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the big one. Is to uh, to wake up and recognize the language that we're using, even when we're thinking, is critical language rather than wholesome, positive, nurturing language. Yeah. So that's the skill that needs to be developed. Guess when do we need it? We need it the most in those times when we are struggling. Mm -hmm. That's the time when it's the most difficult to remember. This is truly Murphy's Law. Murphy's Law, what's that? Murphy's Law, you know Murphy's Law? 
No, I anything forget. that can go wrong will go wrong. You've heard that part of it, I'm sure. Oh yeah, that's a that's very true. Like so, right? We are talking anything about anything that oh, can you know, go wrong will go wrong, but then it's got a second part of it that made it a law, rather than just an interesting observation. And that is, is that anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and it will go wrong at the worst possible moment. Mm-hmm. Which means when it's under stress. Mm-hmm. When do rockets blow up? Under, yeah, I mean, like on takeoff, stress. the most takeoff. critical point in time. Yeah. All right, that's when they blow up. They blow up at uh, uh, going up, going up. NASA had to figure that out, and they used Murphy's law to do it. Murphy's so are, law is, in fact, um, in places like uh, USB connectors, all of them, no matter which connector it is, it has Murphy's law built into it. Why? Yeah. Well, what would go wrong if you plugged it in upside down? You'd blow the thing up, right? Yeah. So then, well, if they, made, if they made the USB connector so that it was easy to plug it in upside down, then you'd have a whole lot of blown up cell phones. In yeah, fact, so they just build it so that it can put it in one way. Why did they make it like that? Is because anything that can go wrong will go wrong, and people will be careful for years, and then they'll get frustrated and upset, and get under stress, and then they'll plug it in wrong. Yeah. So in this, for like bad habits, our my our ability to wake up is going to fail at the worst possible time, or like uh, right. Shati, we need at the worst possible moment. That's why we need to keep practicing it over and over and over again to remember to come out of our own bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Um, Yeah, I mean, sometimes it feels like, I don't know, if I'm engaging in a bad habit, you know, I'll wake up, there will be some recognition. But I mean, I guess it's still just that self-criticism. If I were aware, if I were woken up, then I would kind of see... Yeah, you know, I don't have to choose these paths. I don't need to be like self-critical. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I guess I was just gonna say that it feels like sometimes I'm awake, and then I choose to do the wrong thing anyway. But that wouldn't be true. I mean, I wouldn't be a, I wouldn't be awake if, if that were the case. If it's actually a choice, a wise choice, then maybe because it was a wise choice that it wasn't such a bad thing that you had weighed the cost-benefit analysis and came to a conclusion that this is the thing to do now. Yeah. Okay. Then I wouldn't need to Eating feel Eating a hamburger is not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> no, it's not necessarily bad. Sorry, this, that, that's a bad, like, stand-in for just generic bad habit, like, uh, that you can kind of see some results for. I understand, right. Yeah. But things on their own are not necessarily bad. Yeah. But what we do with them critically is to our detriment. If you criticize any, everything, then you will be dissatisfied with everything. Mm-hmm. True, and, yeah. yet we are, and yet we are taught to be critical of everything. Yeah, so we can practice waking up, or like we can practice sati, and can develop that over time so that even when we're stressed, we're able to wake up and smell the roses or 
actually we wake up sooner and sooner so that we can see like stress five seconds ahead step aside uh, yeah so yeah eventually okay. we like have a here's radar, another like, one guide all aboard all aboard all aboard the trainman will say all aboard actually it comes from ship why because they had a plank or a board to walk onto the ship yeah okay and when the guy calls all aboard if you're already on board then there's nothing mm -hmm. if he calls all aboard when you're standing right in front of the board then it's nothing to just get on and get on the board and go onto the ship or the um get on the train mm -hmm. it's only stressful when we miss the ship yeah yeah so if the conductor calls all aboard we get on the boat because we know that if we don't get on the boat the boat will leave without us and our intention was to get on the boat with the ticket and destinations and all of that and we didn't get on board therefore that's the stress so rather than saying that we need sati in stressful situations no we need the sati before the stressful situation yeah we should be kind of aware of the upcoming situations we'll be in so that we can uh -huh. choose paths that aren't stressful as opposed to exactly. you know getting ourselves into the shit and then being like oh my gosh how do i get out this is so awful okay now we're using physical examples for mental things mm -hmm. what we really need to do is to get on board with yourself mm -hmm. rather than missing the boat get on board with yourself rather than missing the boat right well we, let us say that getting on the boat's the same thing as being sabai comfortable satisfied everything sure. is hunky-dory so yeah like if i notice i'm i don't know walking through the day and i'm distracted you know kind of daydreaming not really with it then that's you know the moment that i don't know i should get it kind of gather myself uh kind of well like this is body. why um in in the satipatthana sutta as well as in other places there are exercises to point out things to help us remember to keep waking up and waking up and waking up throughout the day mm -hmm. that we actually want to practice sati on a very very regular basis to make it a very very strong muscle yeah well okay okay what so, would those be all right in anapanasati while we're practicing anapanasati we need that sati for the anapana in the sense of the long breath that if you are not mindful of your breathing if you're not watching the breath sati waking up to it then the breathing will go shallow mm -hmm. but because of nature because of the lazy part of the brain and all kinds of things that are going on to the physiology of that uh, but when we are actually consciously um watching the breath it actually requires the frontal lobe to, to light up they've seen that in the mris they don't quite know what's going on yet but we do know that when people are uh breathing consciously 
that uh, the frontal lobes will light up mm-hmm. in, the MR, in the functional MRIs. Okay, with that, we can understand that, yes, sati on the in-breath <clears throat> to make sure that it's a long in-breath. Just to remember the breath and to remember <clears throat> the long out-breath to make sure that it's long. So while we're in sitting meditation, we're basically doing nothing else except breathing. That's the only real thing that the body is doing is breathing. Mm-hmm. The other stuff that is doing like pumping blood and, and uh, circulation and all of that is a, bit, a little bit too deep for us. It's below conscious level. But some things that are semi-conscious, like breathing, can be brought up to full conscious. Yeah. Like it so can be backgrounded that, or foregrounded. Exact, that's an exact uh, technique then of throughout the day continuing to remember to take a long, deep breath. That's shanti. Can I go through my day with some constant amount of awareness on the breath? Or like if I don't remember bringing it back into some amount of attention like i guess when you say some amount let us call it occasionally and that what we're looking for is to bring up the frequency of the occasions yeah so okay that that's another problem that i see in western society is we look at continuity when things are in fact quantum they're not continuous Mm -hmm. okay that something will happen Something will happen. A photon has a quantum of energy. It's not like a weak photon and a strong photon. Every photon. And sati is the same way. So sati is actually strong when it happens very fast. So I'm using an analogy for strength when, in fact, we're looking for the analogy of fast. So let us say then that the guy that can re- run the hundred yard dash, the fastest, may not be the strongest dude on in the class. Mm-hmm. But he's fast. Okay, so this is what we're developing. It's kind of a fast sati, so that it'll come when we want it. Comes okay. when it's called. So and we so, notice it drops below. We notice like, oh, like I sati's not present. Then immediately we have strong sati. Or we like take that deep in right. breath. And so we want to we want to tie these together mm-hmm. so that sati and the breath come together. That in fact you could say that sometimes sati is even slower than the breath, so that you're taking a long deep breath and then you recognize, yeah, I'm taking a long deep breath. <laughs> and the sati comes. Okay, so this is one thing is the breathing. That's really the um how to say it the most frequent event that's going to happen all day long is your breathing. So mindfulness of breathing or sati when you're breathing, that's, um, let us say, when one becomes quite skilled at sati, quite skilled at sati, is that he's watching many of the breaths throughout the day because he's aware of them. Sometimes no, but we're not looking for all the time. Perfection is something that the Western mind is looking for. We're looking for ease. Okay, so I'm not trying to balance two tasks at once. So, for example, I'm not trying to do my the work that's in front of me plus be aware of the breath. I'm trying to 
occasionally Use throughout the, the day wake up relax to wake, wake up, up relax, relax. Mm-hmm. um increase the occurrence of that not all necessarily right. try to hold on to it for like all day or anything okay so now that we're not in fact i have heard though i know that the figures are different for various people but some people like for instance brass musicians i would think that their their breath rate is naturally slower than the average person who has never done any uh brass instrument playing yeah why well they say that most people breathe at about 20 breaths a minute. You multiply that times 24 hours and the number of minutes in a day, and you're up to about 14,000 breaths a day. Most mm-hmm. people, though, will not breathe that fast every day. Okay. But we can say there then that there may be, let us say, 5,000 breaths a day, but that's still 5,000 opportunities for sati. Mm-hmm. That's a lot for a beginner. And, yeah, five thousand opportunity. Uh huh. And not only is it an is it an opportunity to practice, but it's also an opportunity for the student to feel bad because they fail at it because breathing breathing comes so often and their sati is down there at ten or twenty times a day instead of. Um, 5,000 times a day. You get what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Uh-huh. Sure. And so we begin to feel bad. So there are other techniques. And surprisingly enough, the techniques that we're going to use are all bodily oriented. Mm-hmm. So when your body goes into a certain posture or a certain position, just like the breathing, this is an opportunity for mindfulness, for sati, to wake up. Mm-hmm. And it's something to practice. And a lot of students find that this little thing that we're talking about takes skill to learn to develop. Okay. So basically what we're talking about, uh, let us talk it this way. Let's use the chair as an example. Not a chair that's empty and sitting off in some warehouse or a chair that's in the room that's unused. No, we're talking about the chair that you're sitting in. And we're talking about the chair that you sit down in and the chair that you get up from. Mm -hmm. So let us say that um, let's use the idea that the chair itself is our samadhi. The chair itself is our um, satisfactory place. It's satisfaction itself. Which means that every time I get out of that chair is meaning that I'm getting out. I want something. If I get Mm -hmm. out of the chair, why would I want to get out of the chair? Mm -hmm. Or if there is a door that has to be opened to to go through into the room, then why do I want to open this door? Sure. This is Sati to start waking the mind up of to why do we get up out of the chair and so there's a little thing that we can do and that is is that most people when they get out of a chair they go from the sitting to the walking postures immediately we get out of the chair on the way Mm -hmm. that rising out of the chair is actually the first step and the second step is in a flow 
No one without practicing gets up out of a chair into a standing posture. And from that standing posture intentionally then moves into the walking posture. Okay. So that's the point now for you. Every time that you get out of the chair, you're not going to get out of the chair to walk or to go. You're going to stand up and reflect. Why am I getting out of this chair when the chair is comfortable? The chair is samadhi. The chair is sabai. The chair is okay. Everything's okay in the chair. Why am I getting up out of it? Yeah, we're building a habit of reflection, of waking up. Mm -hmm. How many times do you get out of the chair every day? I don't know, probably like 50 times. 50, that's a lot. 20, yeah, yeah, 20, 30. Some 20, 30, 40, 50. Well, this is 20, 30, 40 opportunities to practice sati. Mm -hmm. To begin using getting out of the chair as a point in time to stop. And to say, why did I get up out of my comfortable chair? Yeah. That's almost the same thing as to stop. Why am I eating this 1130 burger? Yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this? This is, this is a good point to uh, just uh, look at your intentions. Look at what you want. Look at the feelings that's going on. To wake up. So standing up out of a chair actually helps to establish the mindfulness because I've had students who call back after I've given them this technique for a week. They call back and says, I still can't do it. But I can think about it about 10 steps away. Oh, yeah. Yeah, get up out of the chair and start walking and then remember. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, well, if whenever that you do remember that you've gotten out of the chair without standing first, then stop your walking right now and do that standing and reflecting it's, on why did I get out of the chair? It's like with the rest of our practice, we're bringing it closer to the event or before the event. Right, exactly. So that you can, in fact, remind yourself when you're about to get out of the chair that you don't have to get out of the chair. Why do you want to get out of the chair? Aren't you comfortable in Sabai already? Mm-hmm. Everything's all right. Everything's fine. Everything is good in this chair. Why should I get up? Yeah. That's interesting because that's getting more like the... For me to be able to do that, I'll have to see like the conditions coming, the conditions before getting out of the chair. But like you're saying, a lot of your students, you know, you'll get out of the chair and they'll be like, dang, Domerado told me to... <laughs> Remember, you <laughs> no, know, didn't tell anybody to do anything. We're just talking about good ideas. <laughs> oh, no, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, like somebody might be like, oh, I'm, it would have been a good idea to like, you know, wake up back there, but I forgot. But over time, we get. But uh, you did practice. wake up. Ah, I just woke up. Yeah, I mean, it's good. Yeah, that you wake but, up. But the critical mind would say you forgot. Well, you can't even say you forgot until you remember. Sure. Yeah, but like the point is like we can get closer to we can remember earlier and earlier. <laughs> like right um, to wake up, to wake up, to wake up over and over and over again. Every time that you can think of that breath, take a deep breath. Every time that you get out of a chair, think about why am I getting out of the chair? 
Yeah. Why? What's the point? Now, it may be something simple like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom or I'm going to go get a drink of water or whatever like that. But one of the things that we also notice is, is that, um, let us say in office workers, it generally happens in the afternoon, but it can happen in the morning, 10 a.m. or 3 p.m. And that is they're hunched over the desk, they're doing working. By being hunched over, their breathing uh, apparatus is collapsed. They're not taking good breath. And then even though that they're, they're engaged in an activity and want to do it, the mind gets really dull. Yeah. But one of the things that these guys do naturally will be raised back like this, raise their arms back, take a deep breath, and that's all that they needed to do. But a lot of other people will get up and go get a cup of coffee. Yeah. They think that the coffee is going to make them wake up. Actually so going good. for the coffee was what woke them up, and that's because they start breathing better. Yeah. Okay. So that means that if you can become of your, aware of your breathing, then you can monitor it on, on a regular basis so that you don't get tired. And if you do get tired, that would be a sure sign, okay, let me take a deep breath. So mm -hmm. we can start using these things for building sati. Because sati is the number one skill. We can't take right effort if we don't remember to take right effort. We can't have right attitude if we don't remember to have right attitude. So yeah. this is the reason why is number one. Because right view is already there. The right view is, is that you do want to wake up. You do want to, uh, to come out of the misery and the suffering. And so right view is not the issue. The right... The right the issue is what can we do to build sati so that it comes more and more often, more and more frequently and okay. fast. Okay, so it's a, it's not a muscle that is uh, built for power and slow strength, but is built for quick. And there's a no good reason for that, and that is is that the reptilian mind is in fact very fast. Mm -hmm. The reason that the reptilian mind is very fast is because instinctually to survive, we um, way back in the old days before we had civilization, um, there, there's actually a movie about it. And the name of the movie is The Quick and the Dead. Okay. It's about a cowboy. It's a gunslinger western. I think it was uh, um, Russell Crowe's introduction the first star movie that he did but in any case that was the old primitive times was you're either quick or you're being eaten you can either run away and hide or you're eaten so this whole idea about uh quick responses and that those quick responses can happen here's an example of what I'm talking about, a very quick response. You read something and you realize that these people have done something desperately wrong, probably sinister, and this harms you very much. Okay, you just realize sure. you're reading a letter, say, from a lawyer, and you just realize that you were screwed out of $100,000. Mm -hmm. Okay, there's going to be an immediate quick reaction to that. Yeah. 
And one of the quick reactions you can have is send back a nasty email to that lawyer, which is going to really screw things up completely, put you on the wrong side of him rather than acting friendly. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that's why we have to have Sati to be quick is because our natural reactions to screw up because of feelings of being harmed or hurt are very quick to arise. So we went quick, Sadi. Mm-hmm. And we want to develop this. We want to practice at all times throughout the day. Throughout we, the day, yes. All times I'm not sure of. Well, not all times, but like, I guess what? Okay, so. Whenever you remember. In the morning, I wake up and very easy to remember to take some deep breaths, like getting a good, like, you know, wake up. Um, as the day goes on, I'm going to remember less frequently. Uh, mm-hmm. So, you know, maybe I'm only doing like one breath an hour, two breath an hour. By the time it's like 10 p.m., maybe I'm just sitting on the couch staring at my phone. But that's uh-huh. a good time for me to like wake up, like, you know, be like, oh, like I can exactly. wake up here, take a breath here. Okay. Um, and maybe that would let me catch some of these or like, you know, maybe there's a lack of awareness around some of the recurring habits, um, you know, that are, um, I don't know, unwholesome. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is why you would want them to develop in a private sitting practice what we would refer to now as meditation. One of the best things to do in that meditation is to practice Sati with every in breath and every out breath while we're sitting there for a few minutes a day. Mm-hmm. Okay, this would be the formal practice, would be Anapanasati, literally Anapanasati, Anasati and Panasati. Sati on the in breath and Sati on the out breath to remember that's going to help build up that skill of Sati while we're practicing. But what about the whole rest of the day? That's when we're going to bring in other things because the breathing becomes really subtle all day long. Mm -hmm. And it's also subtle while we're sitting there until we make it the the focus. So that's why we're adding things like getting up out of a chair um, as an example. So the next example that we'll use is now sitting down. Mm-hmm. Before we do sitting down, let's do one more point, and that is about opening a door. Every time that you open a door, most people will open a door while they're walking or in the process of walking. They do very little body other than getting the door open. What you're going to do with the practice that you're doing will be intentionally that every time that you open a door, you stop. And you ask yourself the question specifically, what am I going to do? Why am I opening this door? Like, so an instant would open the car door. Why am I opening this car door? Well, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to turn on the engine and I'm going to drive to a particular location for this particular intention. And so you review what you're doing before you, while you're opening that door. So every door becomes a, um, a little inventory. So would that be like our intention? Yeah. What is our what's our intentions? What are we doing here? So one thing I'll notice is one thing I noticed the other day is like my intention is very scattered in that I don't really know what I'm doing a lot of the time. 
Um, <laughs> like, like there's a lot of autopilot and there's a lot of like mm -hmm. thoughts bouncing around and then sometimes one of them wins and I do that thing. Exactly. So intention, so that's what we're doing looking this at. means that now you have to review that process to figure out which one of them bounced up and you took it. Which mold did you take and which ones did you whack? Yeah, and I imagine by like taking that inventory over time, you like get your intention gets clear as well. Mm -hmm. Gives you very clear intentions and also gives you a chance to look deeper. One level down below the intention is the feeling that brought about that intention. Mm -hmm. Feelings of liking, feelings of wanting, feelings of uh, not liking, feelings of confusion, feelings of what the hell. All of those kind of feelings can be noticed in almost real time because of this practice of observing your intentions. Why did I get up out of that chair? Just so I don't get confused, is this sort of intention, is that the same sort of intention as like Dhamma intention? Um, like I thought right intention was like well, one no, of the... No, no, Sama Sankapa is often translated as right intention mm -hmm. and is also uh, quite often translated as right thought. Mm -hmm. But Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa and the nobles that he associated with are very clear in the Thai language that that's the wrong translation into English. It's Sama Sankapa actually means right attitude okay so that and that's yeah, why i use it all I just the time to make sure i'm like you yes. know we're talking about the ordinary intention right shama sankapa is right attitude i can do this or i'm a failure mm -hmm. uh shama sankapa is going to be the distinction between having nurturing thoughts and critical thoughts Critical mm -hmm. thoughts of bringing in losers and winners and that kind of stuff rather than one who is above the, the fight. Okay, the real yeah. winner is the one who doesn't fight. Mm. Okay, so this is uh, Sama Sankapa. We translate uh, in Anapanasati practice as right attitude. So okay. now that we're talking about right intention, we're actually using tanha. It would be the Pali word. Tanha. I thought that was like kind of tanha. Tanha. I thought that was like clinging or. Yeah. Well, no. Upadana is clinging. Tanha is thirst. Thirst. That's okay. actually what it means in Nepali. Thirst, mm. like you're thirsty for coffee or you're thirsty for a drink of water. So your oh, intention okay. is to so get up and go thirst? get a drink of water. Right. It's what yeah, we want. Mm -hmm. The intentions, what we want, it's our Dude, thirst, it's sense. our, okay, that's why I said it's one step in this Paticca Samapada down to feelings, just catch yourself at that level of intention. Great, so yeah, like when I'm returning to my chair, like when I'm opening the door, like I can ask myself, why am I opening the door? Like, what are my intentions? What are What's my intentions? The, uh, yeah, uh -huh. okay. That sounds really helpful, and it sounds like a thing that I can, like a skill, something yes. I can work on over time. Right. It's, it, uh, so you could use the getting out of the chair as like a musical instrument, opening the door, 
is like a musical instrument. You cannot learn to play that musical instrument or play music without that instrument. So we're using now the chair as a musical instrument and that we're going to play a particular note or a particular melody when we get out of that chair. Mm -hmm. We're going to practice that over and over and over again. That I'm not going to get out of this chair without remembering to. In fact, I remember <laughs> about two years ago, uh, one of my good friends, Tun, was here. Uh, he actually lives over at Watch Suwon Mok. And we were practicing that together because I had mentioned it to one of the students. Yeah. But I hadn't been doing it myself that often. But now I'm seeing Tun when he's here in the house and he gets up. And he stands and he smiles at me. And so we both start doing it. We both <laughs> start watching each other. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is our intention to get up? Mm. Many times you may not even get up. Because you recognize, hey, the intention wasn't really strong enough for, to, to be worthwhile doing. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, okay, so yeah, we're trying to catch it before we get out of the chair. Uh -huh. Like, why are we getting up? And uh, we make sure because then we're going to stand. We're not going to get out of the chair moving. We're going to get out of the chair and stand up and to stand and to not go. But we made a sharp posture change from sitting to standing. That's the point in time that we check out our intentions. Okay, we check out our intentions once we stand up and it's like, okay, where we're are we going? standing up before we walk. Mm. Because that will help the sati. That will really help the sati because you'll start walking and say, wait a minute, I was going to stand and I didn't. I forgot. Okay, yeah. That yeah. makes a lot of sense because uh -huh. a lot of my sati are like a lot of the times that I'm remembering to wake up. Very specific situations. It's like, on, like this is the chair that I work in. It's where I spend a lot of my day. It's probably going to be tied to this chair. But if I mm -hmm. get some of that remembering to wake up, you know, it's like when I'm getting out of the chair, like going about, like, you know, opening doors, things like that. Um, yeah, that's just more chances for me to be aware tied to other places. Precisely so. That's what this technique is designed for. Um, there is one more thing that we can add to that with the time that we have left, and that is now sitting down in the chair. We can start using the chair now as a metaphor for going into samadhi. Mm -hmm. While we're walking around, we're in normal life. But whenever you sit down in the chair, that's the same thing as actually going into meditation, if you want to think of it from that perspective. That this is a time to do anapanasati full-blown. So when we sit down in the chair, the first thing we're going to do is to take a deep, long breath and especially practice step number 10 of Anapanasati, that gladdening the mind, everything is all right. Wow, I'm so glad I'm in this chair now. Everything is okay. Everything's fine. No worries made. Everything is easy. And then we take another deep breath and we relax and relax. So okay. sit down. I can take a minute for Samadhi. Mm -hmm. Especially you said gladdening the mind. To get, it doesn't have to be a minute or a second or a time. It's not a clock. Is this is not yeah, a job not of a clock? Yeah, we're not a time or anything. Right. It's a time, in fact, to feel okay, to feel nurturing to yourself. 
to feel non-critical. Hmm. Everything's okay. Well, I'm feeling good right now. I feel so good right now. Everything's hmm. fine. So just to make sure I got it straight, we can we want to pause before we go to standing. So while we we're sitting, to, we want to pause by standing. We want to pause by standing. Okay, so that's the first one. You know, mm -hmm. when we're going to standing we, at the top of the stand, we you know do an inventory in our head. We right. can be like, "What's Why our?" Why did I get out of like, my comfortable chair? I might just sit back down. <laughs> maybe that's my... like, <laughs> I'm going to you know get a glass of water, or maybe it's like, oh, like I don't have a good reason to get out of the chair. So well, I don't have a down. good reason. I'm just restless. In opening doors, that was one of the things that you mentioned. Like, um, you know, as I'm opening doors, like, oh, why am I opening the door? Mm -hmm. Another point to reflect yeah, on. Where am I going? What am I doing? In fact, I might not have a reason at all. I'm just restless. I'm just out wandering. Yeah, that, that'll be really helpful. I'm very restless and I don't wake up to that very often. Um, and then also when we sit down, we can take a second or not. Sorry, not take a second. <sighs> Somebody we can. Every uh, time you sit down in a chair is is actually like it's your long lost chair that you haven't sat down in years, and yeah. finally you found that chair and you can sit down. Every time you you know you may be twenty times a day, but every time that you sit down, you treat it like oh what a relief, hmm. oh relax time. <sighs> and just relax. And all of these, by the way, these are all steps of Anapanasati. Yeah. Relaxing the body and um, getting into a state of sabai, getting into a state of, of joy and pity and talking yourself into it with gladdening the mind and all of this kind of stuff. So this is a way of practicing correctly Anapanasati. It's not necessarily have to be on the floor. When people think of the word meditation in the West, they almost always think of a whole bunch of people sitting in a meditation hall with maybe some Buddha statues and some other things like that. And they're all arranged in a particular order with the women on one side and the men on the other. And they've got separate places to sit and nobody's really that close to each other and all of that kind of stuff. Is that the image that we have? Yeah, I mean, that's and like everybody's silent pretending that nobody else is there. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather it be something I do throughout the day, like you're describing, that's not just like confined to, you know, an hour or whatever, mm -hmm. once a day. So Anapanasati practice is not a practice like we uh, originally thought, that Anapanasati practice is using tools like the breathing to keep coming back to the present moment over and over again in a joyful, nurturing, wonderful way and coming out of the criticisms and the past and the future plans and all the stuff that needs to be done and the whole way that we live our lives mm -hmm. is always past and future oriented, filled with restlessness. Mm -hmm. And so now we can use that chair to put, it, to put a stop to it on both ends. Thing. I can't wait to try. And, uh, huh? I can't wait to try this. <laughs> My girlfriend will probably look at me kind of awkwardly when I'm just standing around at the doors and <laughs> sitting down funny. But <laughs> well, you can't figure out why you're going to go through the door. That's wonderful. <laughs> I don't have any reason to go through that door. I'm good right now. I don't have to go through that door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh. <sighs>
All right. Well, let's finish this conversation now, and you've got something to do to help yeah. me to remember that sati because it's so important to bring it back. Great. Well, like thank you very getting much. Getting in and out of that chair, then you'll remember what to think about when you see that hamburger at 11 p.m. It's <laughs> <laughs> so good. Grant, <laughs> it's really good to see you again. I really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, thank you very much. I'll talk to you later. Okay. Well, bye-bye. Yeah.